podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to Footballistically Arsenal, um, the country's leading Arsenal podcast that has predictions every week of what's going to happen in the next game, even though it's completely meaningless. I'm Boyd Hilton. I'm joined by sidekick, sidekick, Josh Landy. Hi, Josh. Hi, Boyd. We've had small technical issues uh, over the we last have. few minutes, but we're hoping that will be the end of it now. We don't want to bore the listeners with our technical issues, but um, because... We're coming to you on Monday, the uh, 21st of September, 7.15pm, and we've just, I've just heard the historic, joyous Arsenal breaking news. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are, because your finger is on the nub of all things Arsenal, that we've made the huge signing of Alex Runarsson. Woo! I had seen the uh, the big news. I mean, some people were trying to tune in to see the latest on on COVID and what the scientists were saying. But yeah. those of us yeah. like me and you were more interested in our new Icelandic number two. Yeah. And in other uh, Arsenal-related goalkeeping news, Emmy Martinez has saved a penalty this evening. Are you aware of this? Yeah. I mean, he's um, obviously making his uh, his debut, isn't he, for, for Aston yeah. Villa? And uh, was it from yeah. Lundstrom? From Lundstrom, I think right? so. Yeah, yeah. So it's all happening in Arsenal goalkeeping world. But there's much more than that to discuss. And um, to talk about our uh, triumphant victory over West Ham and much more is the glorious Ollie Shorts, chocolate magnate, new father <laughs> and um, Arsenal podcast legend. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Boyd. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How old is your is your baby? I wouldn't say new father. I'd say yeah, father of an eight, 19 months, you nineteen month oh. old daughter. So um, oh. we're put, putting her to bed, and uh, hopefully uh, my wife will do a good job and, and not come and interrupt this wonderful podcast. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, thanks, Ollie. And we're joined by the uh, another Austin podcast legend, Gareth the Bear Parker. Hello, Gareth. Hi, Boyd. Hi, everyone. I mean, I, I'm I'm no chocolate magnate. I'm no I'm not glorious or whatever. I mean, I'm 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 already hurt. I'm all, I'm already hurt in here. Well, but, uh, I, I think I called right. you a legend. That's right. that's I, right. I called you a legend, Gareth. Uh, I mean, you know, hey, that's over, overused that word though. It's it's lost its impact. Uh, ledge. Anyway, how would you? How would I describe no, myself? Don't. Yeah. How would you like to be described in an ideal world? Do you know what? Um, a girl once said to me that there was absolutely no mystery about me. So mysterious. I'd like. I'd like to. Uh, it stuck with me that. Uh, so I started. That smoking, is. Yeah, I started smoking cheroots. Uh, didn't help. Uh, but yeah, no, I am. I'm anything. But you guys know well enough. You know, there's there is zero mystery with me. So yeah, uh, 
Just, just, just crack on. One thing I would say about the Emmy Martinez penalty save, which I was watching, and I did cheer as though he, because obviously I think every Arsenal fan is very fond of him. Um, I was watching this before I came on, and he saved it, and it was a very good save as well. And his feet were totally on the line. And uh, I, I am, however, I th- this eighteen point five million swing in reserve goalkeeper uh, sale. I mean. There was a joke going around last week, and other people saw it. That actually, Neil Morpai is talking of legends, a bit of an Arsenal legend, because it was his uh, injuring of Leno that gave Martinez a run in the team and an opportunity to grossly inflate his price tag. Truth be told, and then um, also it was the last time we saw Guendouzi in an Arsenal shirt. So yeah, Neil Morpai, Arsenal legend. Yeah. That is a good point. I like that point. That's that's very good. Um, I don't know about grossly inflated, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about Leno and. Um, and the whole team's performance against West Ham. Um, we've got uh, transfer speculation to talk about. We've got a League Cup starts this week, playing Leicester on Wednesday. We'll talk about, I want to talk about what we, who we think, what kind of team we think is going to play there. Um, and much more. But before we get onto that, I have to announce that we are back with Beer 52, um, giving us a special offer. Um, now that the football season has started all over again in earnest, um, and we can all sit here watching glorious matches day in, day out, evening in, evening out. Beer 52 are generously offering free beer while you watch your team for the comfort of your home. They are offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and just cover the £5.95 for the postage. That's www.beer52, as in f- the figures 5 and 2.com forward slash Arsenal, and they'll cover and cover the 5 95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members, and they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme, things like beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, who knew? Um, and as an independent British company, Beer 50 are passionate about UK craft beer scene, which they'll continue to support during this difficult period. So finally, beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for 5.95. Josh, has your case of beers arrived? I mean, I don't know about a crate. Um, I've got a six pack. Well, how many oh. would you expect in a crate, Boyd? A case. All right, a case. Eight, I think. Eight. Case. That's, oh, it might yeah. have been eight. Do you know what? I didn't, I've, only, uh, I've only had one, but it was very nice. So thank you to the, uh, the good folk at Beer 52. I mean, it's nice. It feels like we're getting alternate gifts because you got sent the Manscaped, uh, which I know yep. you've been uh, using yeah. thoroughly, and I've been sent oh, yeah. the, uh, the beer. So I don't know what's next, um, but it's, it's going to be your turn. So that's something to uh, something to look forward to, certainly. Okay, let's move on to the actual game, the actual Arsenal game. So um, obviously, we won, we beat West Ham, um, but I think we can safely say it wasn't the greatest performance in the history of football. Gareth, um, I'm going to come to you. Was that? Do you think that was a blip? That is understandable, considering, especially when you bear in mind that the preparation for that game was marred by the fact that Tierney, who is, I would say, our best defender, um, was ruled out with a, with, a, with a surprise injury in, in, uh, the, in, the, in the warm-up. And then he brought in um, Kolasinac, who is still pretty shit. And that ruined everything? Not, or he's blaming everything it. on that? Unfair. No, I'd say Kolasinac is quite not fit for purpose, is a nice way of putting it. But um, I think, obviously, that was... 
part of a blip was down to that injury. And it's interesting how Tierney's role, how important he is already in this system when actually it's not his natural position. Um, and I think that it was funny that that was one of the things people jumped on. I think, I mean, I, I look at the wider picture, to be honest. You look at the inconsistent performances of all teams pre that this early in the season. There's been no proper preseason. Um, I spent an inordinate amount of time laughing at Man United on Saturday night for what was beyond lethargic and without any sort of tempo to it, a performance there. And I I guess that's it. We've almost forgotten because we ended, cup-wise at least, we ended last season so well, which was, what, 23 minutes ago. And you think, oh, we'll just roll (laughs) straight into this. But there there was a small break. There was, there's definitely a feeling of starting a season in this sort of, crowdless stadiums and you think well they got used to that well actually watching the the Liverpool Chelsea game yesterday again it felt like it was dialed down a little bit and I think that a game like um our game on Saturday night with the crowd with the atmosphere with there would have been a bit more reaction for the team maybe I think there was definitely something missing but what I actually found it and it's clearly that Arteta found it particularly pleasing from his reaction at the final whistle, we didn't play well. And I'm not going to go with the kind of the lazy adage of like, when a, when teams win and don't play well, that's a sign of a, let's not get ahead of ourselves either title winning team. But you know what I mean? You always hear this. Yeah. Actually, what I'd, what I'd say is, and I'm going to bring Spurs into this early as well, in a negative way, you'll be pleased to know that obviously they've got two or three phenomenal players that on whenever it was Sunday lunchtime, turned the game for them. They did that. And that used to be our thing. We used to hang in games long enough, particularly under Emery, where we would wait and wait, and then Aubameyang would do something, or someone like or Ozil, remember him, would do something. And actually now we have a plan where we were playing a particular time of football. Xhaka was actually like metronomic in midfield, and it was one of the under, underrated performances on Saturday. He kept the ball going, those balls over the top to Aubameyang. Aubameyang had a poor game, and yet we won. Like these match-winning players that we are no longer reliant on, seemingly, didn't have a great game. And yet, through system, through approach, the winning goal was sort of classic Arteta again, that, that inside left run. Everything was great about it. So, yeah, I was pretty pleased because we were a bit shit. And yet, we won. And I don't think necessarily... You were very high-pitched there. We were a bit shit. All right. Um, that's just me being excited, Boyd. Um, okay. uh, I... I think that that's it for me. Like, yeah, you don't want to see too many of those performances because then you start to worry about thin lines between success and failure. But I do think that we didn't necessarily ride our luck that much. There's one chance that Antonio got in, miskicked, went off Gabriel and fell into Lano's arms. That was good. A couple of times when Lano was a bit shaky, but actually they were not peppering our goal. They were just, they played well. West Ham played really Mm. well. And and I think that, that... we still beat them. So there's yeah. not a lot that you can say. Yes, if we see more performances like that, it would be a bit worrying. But yeah. hey, that's, it's one Oli, what did you make of the um, team selection? Because in my um, Arsenal chat, in my um, WhatsApp group, um, a, couple of, a couple of us were, were surprised that he changed it. You know, that, that, did he need to change it from our, you know, when you, when you win your opening, I know it's only against Fulham, but when you win your opening game convincingly, and you play really well, and it's only the first game of the season, to then change it for the second game, just because you're playing at home? What did you think about that? And the team yeah, selection, definitely. Uh, 
I was definitely surprised. I was expecting him to play the exact same team that that you know won three nil uh, the weekend before. Um, why he did it, you know, I'm sure as he talks about training during the week has a big part to play. Everyone's you know allows a bit of a reset button with him, and you know if they've done perform well, you know then he'll give them the chance. But it, it was something that I was I, I thought El Neni was fantastic against Fulham. And I felt a bit sorry for him to be replaced um, um, by Ceballos. And to be honest, you know, if you look at the performance, um, I think we were very, very lucky. And when, when Gareth says that he didn't think that we rode a lot too much, I thought we were very lucky. I think they hit the bar, they had a chance within the first five, ten minutes that, that could have gone in. Leno, you know, if Leno had um, conceded the, the goal when he dropped the ball, I'm sure... The, the world would be crumbling before, you know, everyone's eyes watching Martinez save a penalty and all that. You know, sometimes these things do go in your favour. And, um, you know, for me, I, I think it was the right decision keeping Daniel as a number one. Um, but, you know, things really could have gone drastically wrong in that game. It, it reminded me of, of the bad parts at the beginning of last season when we ended up losing or drawing games. So fantastic that we changed it to a win. But, we're playing against West Ham, who, uh, as we know, got had a poor game against Newcastle. Um, the fans are against him. Even the players are against the, the the management of the team at the moment. I just I wasn't expecting the performance that West Ham put in. I thought we we should have been a lot better, a lot stronger, and slightly concerned. Um, but it is only the second game of the season. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, Josh? Because I I, th- I thought he could have. Not changed it, but then um, you think, well, what he did change was bringing in Sabios, who and Sabios and Xhaka have been our midfield central midfield pairing that that did really well, you know, certainly in the in the kind of since restart last season and helped us win the cup and all of that. Um, and he brought in Saka. So, did it seem? What did you feel about the whole team selection and the, that that whole issue? Look, I'm, I'm probably with Gareth on uh, on Kalazinac, but look, we've got so many different options of um, defensive units that could play this season. And, and don't forget, obviously, you know, David Luiz, whether he was only fit enough for the bench or chosen to be on the bench, there's still a you know argument that Mustafi's going to have a role playing as a centre back. So to see Kalazinac have to be uh, you know you know out out on the on, on the pitch in, in the way that he was. I'm not convinced he's going to get a huge amount of, of game time this season. I think maybe there's a more interesting question that's going to happen at the other end of the pitch because, you know, Aubameyang, Lacazette, I think there's been a question mark, you know, about will they both sort of start the season as, as first choice? And it very much looks that way and, and looks like a uh, the right decision the way it's been going with Lacazette playing through the middle and Aubameyang um, playing on the left. But are we going to just now, you know, is Pepe behind Willian it is suddenly the the 72 million pound man probably not getting in our our best 11 for for much of a season i think that's going to be a a huge one to to come on mm. I, I don't know where where do you feel boy do you feel willian probably will get the nod more often than not again ahead of him well um not necessarily now because i think he wasn't that great i don't think he had a great game i mean no no not very few of our players had a particularly good game but i did i think willian compared to the first game was not particularly good and I would say um, gave the ball away a couple of times I thought particularly in the first half and so I think 
I think it's going to be very 50-50 between William and Pepe. Pepe came on, didn't really do much. I mean, he had a couple of runs, kind of classic Pepe style. Um, but kind of go, go, Pepe's, one of Pepe's flaws, I think, is that he gets the ball, goes on a dribbly, mesmerising run, and then just goes too far with it. You know, it's like, can't, doesn't look up and find someone to pass to quickly enough. Um, but I think, um, I, I wonder whether Pepe might start in the, I mean, I'm sure he'll start in the League Cup game. Um, but I think he will have more starts as time goes on. And I think, you know, I think it'll be, there'll be a lot of toing and froing between the two of them. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it, Gareth, that the forward line, you've got Lacazette and Aubameyang seemingly now established that Lacazette will be central, Aubameyang out wide. That was a big question. And Lacazette, I, th- I think it was confirmed over the weekend. I mean, I love him, but he's definitely in the position where they're not offering, they don't seem to be in talks for a new contract with him. Um, they don't see he hasn't been linked with anyone particularly, well, as far as I can tell, strongly. Um, and yet he's kind of staying. And I think, and I think, um, Arteta really likes him. Obviously, Aubameyang really likes him. He's in a slightly weird position, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those players where I mean, I'm a huge fan of his. In fact, I've had arguments, I think, um, a couple of times, uh, on the pod with people who have who, who, spoken negatively about him. And I think that actually what he gives the team Me is too. often. Often un, un, undervalued. He, he actually, you hear about Firmino and Liverpool and not having him the same skill set, but I'm saying he's got the same sort of enabling ability, but he also does score goals. Um, and I think that he is good. I think there's, it, it's that thing about the amount of love that players have shown. I think he's shown enough love to, to feel like he's part of this movement. And I think that I go back to my original point about a plan, an artist are playing a particular way and seeing it. And, and, I, and I get what, what was being said earlier on about there was an element of luck, but there often isn't football. I do think that we didn't suddenly start panicking. We carried on playing that way of interjacket, interbias, the bias going beyond, going back, and it and it and it it worked, and I'm very grateful it worked. I think with Lacazette and actually going back as well to the Pepe point, I think the words options. We've got options, and how nice is that? It, it's not yeah. automatically oh he plays because he's fit. It's an, it's an opportunity to, there'll be different teams that can, like Pepe, I mean, yes, it was only against Fulham, but William was great, but not a lot was made how, about how electric Pepe was when he came mm-hmm. on. And he, yeah. re, like, against a tiring team, we've got an option. Saka didn't play first game, comes in and plays well, not not outstanding, but plays well, another game. Under, I understand that we are still looking for because for all these dynamic i mean william i mean i'm pro william anyone that knows me well actually is is was 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 guessing how giddy i'd be because he's one always one of those players opponents teams who i would defend in arguments when people go he doesn't do anything i'm like he's just a, a glorious little footballer and he is and we've got him now and that's great he's not creative Pepe is not creative. We do. We still are lacking a creator. We've got. How do you define that, creative? He, made, he had a lot of assists last year and goals. But but, but define no, creative. Can pick can pick a pass that others can't. So Fabregas was. Creative. That's very specific. Okay. No 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 no. I think I think being able to thread things together, like Willian is a dynamic, skillful player, and he will create opportunities by whipping crosses in. Pepe will beat four people, beat them again, and then tuck onto his left foot and whip across in. These are not players that can get their head up and already have that. And it's ultimately, it's processing speed in your head. It's working out all the different options and picking one that actually will unlock a defence. 
So Thiago has just been bought for Liverpool for exactly that purpose because that's what they were lacking. I think Ozil is the only player in our squad that has that. Obviously, he is on his way out. But I think that's why we're linked so much with, and I can't pronounce his name, and I apologise to sort of Francophiles and French people, but our, that's why we're being linked with him. So that was yeah. bad, wasn't it? That was well, who are they? Who knows? I mean, who the fuck? Yeah. We'll, we'll learn when we sign him, right? But yeah. that's why we're being linked with him. When people are going, oh my God, we need a defensive midfielder much more. It's like, do you know what? We need create creativity because there will be games where people, West Ham didn't sit with men behind the ball. We were fortunate in a way that they were still coming on to us, leaving gaps. But there will be teams that come and sit those, those 10, 11 men behind the ball and like, right, pass through us. And that's where having te- players that can run at people, having players that can kind of be dynamic won't be enough. We'll still need that creativity. And I think that's the one thing that's lacking. But again, I started with a positive about options and now I'm ending with a negative saying, but there's yeah. still one more option but, I'd like. Funnily enough, I thought it was, I do think, Ollie, I think that this game, the game against West Ham was, was kind of weird, weird in all kinds of ways. Like it was, I felt it was like contradictory. I have contradictory feelings about the whole thing. So for example, I talk about the midfield, right? So by Austin Shaka, again, in that, when the first half, everyone was complaining about them and saying they were, they were having a pretty shit game. And this, I think Sabayas ended up being the official man of the match. You know, and of course, even though um, creativity in midfield is an issue, he actually, he ended up having some really good passes. Xhaka had one really good pass, didn't he? Um, you know, kind of showing that there are moments where both of them can be creative in their own way. Um and then, and we and we scored a, like a really good goal in the end. I mean, we scored two goals, obviously. But so there was some. Uh, do you know what I mean? There was. It's like almost like even though we should be signing like party or AOR or whatever, we do need creativity. Actually, we got out of. We we ended up winning that game through moments of creativity and inspiration with the existing players we've got. Yeah, I, uh, you're, you're right. Obviously, um, the, the two goals were fantastic. But I think the concern is. We only created two opportunities all game. Yes, and yes. you know I thought Saka was was fantastic, instrumental in, in both goals with sort of that that pre-assist um, that people like to talk about. Um, but you know that that I, I'm agree with Gareth. We we lack that creativity. We we lack that, that somebody who can, can unlock the the, the defence all throughout the last last season. I don't know what the stats are. Maybe Josh might know, but our midfielders got hardly any assists all of last season. I don't think anyone even got more than three, four. If, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, it is, it is, it, that, that was scary to think. Um, and it was also, are we seeing a lot of what we, what happened last year with this West Ham game? Uh, I, I, I've said before, it's only the second game. Um, it's disappointing that against a you know, team like West Ham, we only created two, two clear cut chances. But fair play, we put them away. I think if you on any on another day we might not have put them away, and we, we come back and we're you know frustrated that we only draw um, or frustrated that we lost the game. So I guess the, the key moments in, in, in matches like that will go to define the rest of the season, really. Yeah, Josh, what do you think about this this uh, the creativity well, issue? Go on. Well, I, I did, as Ollie alluded to, their leap to uh, get the assist statistics yes. when Gareth was earlier talking about Pepe because I, I had a feeling that Pepe was our uh, top assist getter last year and, and he actually was in the Premier League with, with six but the fact that it was only six is is perhaps their 
lies the problem that it was so few. Saka got five, then, you know, Lacazette, four, Aubameyang, three, and then as Oli said, it's two and below, which for, you know, a club like us, sort of renowned, I guess, in sort of Premier League history for perhaps, um, you know, scoring goals, if, if not being as tight defensively, sort of, you know, is also testament to um, us not doing that on the level that maybe we could have, could have hoped for last year. I, I by the way, that our... just, to say, just to say, sorry, it's 10 assists in all competitions, by the way. I was just talking looking... Premier League, Premier League. Sure. I think 10 assists in all competitions for a player's first season is actually pretty I good. Think, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's okay. It's probably, you know, it, Saka, it's hard to criticise when he's top. Saka got more in all competitions. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're if we're gonna okay. swing our assist sticks around, Saka okay. uh, uh, ended up with more assists in all competitions, which was an oft-relayed stat because it was again a phenomenal debut campaign for him. I think, yeah. Sorry to I bludgeon in sorry. there. Um, no, no, but no, we both carry on, carry on, Josh. Go on, Josh. No, uh, look, the um, you know, I'm sure Saka probably. You know, got more opportunities certainly in some of some of the cup games, poss- possibly. Anyway, you know, I think I agree with your wider point um, that you know, if our top assist getter is six, then in the Premier League, talking across the entire season, then that that's clearly you know incredibly low and suggests that we do need someone else creative. And I suspect that our transfer business is perhaps not done, and still there's more ins and outs to take place in, in what the next two weeks. It's two weeks today, isn't it? The transfer window ends. Obviously, we've bought in a goalkeeper who we going to you know you've alluded to there in the start of the uh the podcast but i i suspect he he may not even be our number two i think he, he could well turn into be our our number three um boyd i, I fear as well so well yeah, he yeah. won't be yeah. helping with the uh the creativity i think we do need a player it's the only area of the, of the pitch that we you know need strengthening you know people will question are our center backs good enough but the fact is we've got way too many now there are too many combinations and options uh you've got to just back Mikel Arteta to find uh, an option with a back three, presumably, or meaning a back five with two wing-backs, I'd, I'd back Arteta to find it. Um, whether Let's there's one midfielder to come in, I think there is. Can we talk about the formation for a minute? Because there is also, there's another um, contradiction here, isn't there? In the, This formation we play at the moment, with the three at the back, which, which would have been Tierney, obviously, if he hadn't got injured in the warm-up. And Tierney is, is proving absolutely brilliant at this formation and that he defends he he goes back and defends when when needed and then he can kind of goes into midfield and goes wide if needed and it's like he's playing in two or three positions in every game brilliantly by the way because he's so good then Kolasinac comes in you see the whole thing come well the, the flaws in that in that system but my my other my bigger point is if we do bring in this this system almost by def- definition, doesn't have space for a number. Well, it literally doesn't have space for a number ten creative player, does it? Like if Özil, if they wanted, if they really wanted Özil to fit into this team, where the fuck would he play? And and I say the same, but here you are. If we buy him, and if we buy him, doesn't that because because you've got with the system at the moment, you've got Sabayas and Jacka in the middle, you've got your wing backs or whatever you want to call them, and you've got kind of the three up front at the moment with Lacazette, Aubameyang, William or Pepe. Where's AOR going to fit in there? Doesn't he have, isn't he going to have to, Gareth, I'll ask this of you, isn't he going to have to change the formation to fit in this creative player? Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And actually looking at those back three and talking about the um, options we have there, I actually am, yeah, maybe they're not as uh, PRable as some other back lines in the Premier League, certainly with the sort of contentious nature of David Luiz in Austria. 
I am quite excited about seeing a back three of Tierney, Louise and Gabriel. Because I think actually there's a really lovely balance where you've got one of the best passing centre-backs in Europe in Louise. You've got a very versatile and over we do, we overload with Tierney in the attack. So everyone went wild for Sheffield United's overlapping centre-backs last year. Well, actually, this formation allows him to play a role, as you, as you rightly point out, in both halves. But I also hear what you're saying. I think that's great because actually no, none of those centre-backs, maybe with the exception of Gabriel, who we've not seen in the back four, suits a back four. And I think that in which case, and that maybe says a lot about the, the overall quality because Mustafi looks better in a back three. Um, holding for a little, like this, These are not players that I would be like backing in a back four. But it does mean that either we have to sacrifice one of, Xhaka or Ceballos in the middle to create a creative player, which puts more onus on that other one to screen, which is neither of their forte. Xhaka is a good metronome in midfield, but he is he, d- defensively minded. Actually, he is not. He's still an appalling tackle, tackler. He um, is getting better positionally, but still we haven't. And that's obviously why we're interested in party. So you could argue actually that a party our midfield would replace our current midfield too. Because actually, there's often the joke about Kante at Leicester and at Chelsea at Soft was there's always, well, you can play three in midfield, but two of them are Kante. Because actually, he does that role so well that you do not need to have a We maybe are looking for having someone like that that gives up that other midfield option as a more creative. They don't have to do the hard jobs because the bias gets through a lot of work. And again, I, I like the, the, the talk with the pre assist earlier on. Both our goals against West Ham came from systematic passing play and going into that inside left slot. And it required a clever pass in and it then obviously required the correct ball into to the scorer. That is what we will do. And we'll do, it's like what City do. They, they are full of creative, brilliant players, but actually they play a system. And that's what we're doing. And so whoever does come in, Boyd, will absolutely have to, first of all, understand almost like the bigger picture. This is how we play. And this is, it is lots of passes, trying to pull the teams on, obviously hair-raising tactics near our own goal where we're pulling defend, uh, attackers on and then trying to spring them. But more than anything else, it will require, yeah, as you say, like that like alchemy in the midfield to be worked out. Because I don't think, no, we're not, no teams really play with a free role at number 10 anymore because... The, the need for everyone to mm. put a defensive shift in or at least positionally get it right um, is, so, is so keenly felt. So, yeah, I, it's a nice problem to have. If, 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 if we get these yeah. players, it's a lovely problem to have. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie I, what do you I, think about... Go on. No, no, no. I, I was going to agree with Gareth. That, you know, that's what the squad is, is there for and Arteta clearly knows what he wants to do. And if he wants to bring in one or both of these players then, you know, that's his problem. Um, and we just have to enjoy it as, as the supporter. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, we, we've got so many games and we really struggled, um, you know, last season with Europe and the league, Thursday to Sunday. We're going to have to interchange those players week in, week out. And I also think the other thing that we do forget is Sabahis is only on loan. So if, mm. this, if, if now's the chance to go and get Partey because next season, you know, Sabahis isn't going to come, you know, so be it. We're going to have to make that sacrifice. I I can't see how we're going to keep Sabas, you know, past this season. I think probably Arteta knows that, but I I, I think we he isn't our player, and sometimes we do forget that. Right. 
So you, you you're saying you think he'd in, if he brought um, Awar or Partey, either or either of them, you think it would be Sabayos probably who who they would they would slot into that position rather than because at the moment he's he's sticking. I mean this this system is working really well. I mean it didn't work quite as well against West Ham and, and I go back to the Tierney issue. But I wonder whether he very he doesn't he's not even um, he's stuck very rigidly to it and I think that's great that we've got this now very we've got an identity and he's sticking with it. But equally. I was like, like he doesn't even change it in, in in during the game. Like if we when we needed to come back when West Ham after West Ham scored, I, I slightly thought he might go, you know, more uh, less. He might go four at the back or something, but he didn't. He stuck with it and it worked, and we and we won the game. But I wonder whether eventually, I mentioned this last week. I wonder whether eventually he wants to play four three three in the similar way to Man City, and run and and you know there it would be easy, and there it's easier to find where your creative midfield um, slots in. I, I think, yeah, for sure, that there's, it's about trying to fit with the system and, and, and the formation. But I think if you look at our um, our bench against West Ham, um, apart from Pepe coming on, I'm, I didn't see really where much options. And Ketia was just a straight shot for Lacazette. And it was fantastic that it worked out, but I'm pretty sure Lacazette would be in the exact same position that, that, that Eddie was, but we do, we, we lack those options coming off from the bench that can really change a game um, when it, when we're up against it. We were up against it big time against against West Ham. And, you know, for, for me, Pepe, yeah, that's fantastic. But there's really not many other attacking options that we could have brought on to really change it. So, um, you know, we need to bring in more, more players. So if we can, great. Um, and thankfully, you know, it, it's not for us to make that decision who starts. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay, let's take a quick break, and after this, we'll talk more about um, a little bit more about the game on Saturday, and more about what I think is an intriguing team selection issue for the uh, the um, Carabao Cup on Wednesday. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct. Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Um, before Let's wrap up the, the discussion of the game, the game on Saturday. Josh, I mean... Gareth's right. There is the cliche about you know, you know, winning teams play badly and win. But I thought I do think there's something kind of. I think there's something really promising about the fact, as he did, he said like you know you learn a lot from a defeat like that and all that. And he was talking about how he was kind of really happy about the way that we find found a way to win. And I think I mean I'm not comparing us to Liverpool. Let me say this now, but there is Liverpool played quite badly every now and then, even in their you know in their in their win last year, in their winning last year, in quite a similar way to the way we played badly against West Ham, or at least West Ham surprisingly good. So all in all, like I don't feel it's much of a setback that we had one 
average, deeply average performance all round. How do you feel about it? I feel the same. I was surprised in a way seeing Arteta celebrate so aggressively yeah. at the final whistle. I don't know if you noticed, but he really was oh, yeah. giving it the big one, which yeah, often you it. see managers do when they want to get the crowd behind them and sort of play. But there's no crowd here. This just looked genuine. He looked genuinely delighted that his team had ground out a victory. That, you know, Oli alluded to performances at the start of last season, which ultimately led to managerial change. But it didn't feel like at points last season we were going to find a way, you know, to win the game. And, yeah, look, West Ham, I think, yeah, a lot of people have been paying compliments to them. I think I said on the end of the podcast last week, I, I do actually think they'll be fine this season. And, yeah, there's been problems and the club captain coming out so publicly against the sale of a player is not ideal preparation for them. But they, I think they are not for a, pretty, a solid mid-table Premier League outfit. And, and they gave a great account of themselves for us. We're going to have games like this. And don't forget, you know, you've lost a player in the warm-up. Um, we are a little bit restricted in terms of options to, you know, come off come off the bench. We've got, um, you know, you know, obviously Mustafi, you know, probably would have been ahead of Kalazanac, you know, to play. Pablo Mari might have been ahead of him. Um, you know, Callum Chambers might as well be, be ahead of him. So you've got to remember this is far from a, you know, perfect team that we're able to put out at the moment. We are lacking a little bit of options going forward. I guess the only one that in normal times we'd be able to call upon without injuries would be, you know, Martinelli, who was, you know, such a bright light of last season and has now spent such a long time, you know, not really part of the um, Arsenal under Arteta. So I'm probably with you. I'm, I'm willing just to be excited that we're six out of six which is going to be hugely tested in our next Premier League game. And if we're, you know, if we're, if we're still on six, I don't think any of us would be too surprised. So I'm excited. But what do you think, Boyd, is going to happen with this Carabao Cup game? You, you mentioned it earlier. What, what sort of changes do you expect? Do you think Mesut Ozil is going to play? There's, there's a question. And well, we're going to see a debut question. for our Icelandic goalkeeper, maybe. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I'm, you, you'd imagine we, he played the new goalkeeper, yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, I, I think the Urzil is the really interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if put it this way, if he doesn't pick Urzil in the Carabao Cup, then he is fucked, isn't he? I mean, we know we clearly the club, the club, as it, you know, not not necessarily Arteta, but the club wants has been wanted to sell him for, you know, 18 months now and nothing's happening and blah, blah, blah. But if Arteta doesn't pick him in the Carabao Cup, you've got to think. He's got to have a lot. I don't know. That's that's a message, isn't it? But do you think, Ollie? Do you think he will pick him in the in the in the in the Carabao Cup, and that that will kind of almost dampen down that issue for a bit? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, 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 who knows? Who knows? It really is like that, that Ozil conundrum that nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes, except for Arteta and Ozil. I don't even think the the other players really know what's going on. I think it will be, you know, it's one of those things where I think he'll look at the squad and he'll assess who he's got available. And if he has to, if he really, really has to, then he'll he'll put him in. But he probably thinks to himself, I just don't need it. I just don't want to play him if I don't have to. But well, we were talking the other week about the Aston Villa game, um, the, the, the behind closed doors friendly. Um, you know, yeah. no one, no, no, no. Nobody knows if he started or didn't start. Who knows? Um, but but he, he he was involved. So so maybe there's something that Arteta says. I'm going to play him in 
the Carabao games. I'll I'll play him in the Europa League games. I think it'll be good to for for the younger players to to play with him. Yeah. Um, but I think it, I think realistically, Arteta doesn't want to see him in in a match day squad. And well, for the foreseeable future, Gareth, I can see a situation where he picks a um, Niketia, you know, um, Pepe, and maybe Willock or someone, and does not play um, Özil. Um, I think it's quite possible, possibly even likely. What do you think? I think it's incredibly likely. I think it's funny because he says about not knowing about what people think, players don't think. Let's not get this wrong. I have on very good advice. Ozil is deeply unpopular within our squad at the moment. Like he's gone from being someone that was very well liked to being not ostracised, but definitely that he is on the outside. He's there's various things that he's done in terms of behaviour. Uh, it, it isn't quite Gwendozi levels of tweeting holiday snaps uh same day as the FA Cup final but he's definitely not as loved as he was I think I will be intrigued the only reason why I think we'll play a remotely strong team midweek is to see it as a another opportunity a tuning exercise a pre-season friendly a, an opportunity for certain players to get some minutes under their belt I would think and actually at least we're not Spurs with what three games within six days or something when they've got to play league cup. We've only got this one game in the week. Um, they've got to play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday or whatever. Have they not, Josh? You're shaking your head. Well, Leighton Orient, who are a team <laughs> I, I do like and the second team have had a real problem today with an outbreak of coronavirus cases ah, um, amongst oh, yeah. the squad. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looks like certainly that match can't take place at Brisbane Road, which is... Uh, so it's a hell of a yeah. mess and a big, big shame for Leighton Orient. If um, I must admit, I haven't seen the very latest on that story. Is I, no, I desperately want to have a look, but uh, I don't I'm think sure gonna have to take Jose that. would would be delighted for that game to be yeah, uh, to be going to get pulled off. Certainly, yeah, I mean, sadly. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it, yeah. I was too I was too tuned into our Icelandic goalkeeping announcement <laughs> to see what else was going. By the way, on the subject of the, the Icelandic goalkeeping, did you see that actually he is an Arsenal fan? Like and not, and yes. not necessarily, and not necessarily yes. one who was covered since boyhood. In, yeah, not so covered himself in glory with some of his previous social media posts uh, about our previous, as in Arsene Wenger management, rather than anyway. But I think that he, um, anyway, ignoring the goalkeeper thing, I think the Carabao Cup squad will give an opportunity for. You're right, the likes of Willock. There is n- zero point us playing Özil because it's not going to tell us anything we don't already know. It's not mm. going to allow him to get tuned up for further games because he's, you're right, he, he is not going to be welcoming a match day squad um, until he leaves, um, certainly not in an elite competition. So it makes much more sense to play those young players alongside maybe some experience, but I don't necessarily think we need to play the likes of Pepe. I would, I would be prefer to see a lot of what the other 23s, the, those players who are on the cusp of it, because and I know this is disrespecting a cup competition, but really hand on heart, League Cup, is it one of those that we, we, we will be devastated to go out of? No. It's oh, no, I don't give cup. a shit about it. No, I don't no, give a shit about it. So I, think, I think Arteta probably does. Doesn't he, he seems to like, he played quite strong teams, I think, didn't he? But in, in, in the cup games. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, actually, if you think of Arteta, obviously, when he was with Manchester City, he saw... Pep take this competition very yes. seriously. Right. So yeah, they love it. Yeah. 
So you know, I think Man City won it three three years in a row. Yeah, but City, um, City, yeah. sorry, Ollie, City squad can allow for that to happen where they can play a reserve team that's still better than 90% of Premier League teams. And interesting, talking about squad size, this is the one thing I wanted to get in before this pod finishes, because I think this is actually it's linked to something that Nuno Espirito Santo said about Wolves and the fact that he caps his squad at under 24 players. He doesn't want a squad bigger than that because it, you lose the togetherness, you lose that camaraderie, and he would rather have tired players than players who are fragmented by sort of not playing very often, not feeling like that that, that they're loved. And I think that when Josh was listing the centre-back options we could have earlier on, it it made my eyes water in a way. Because it's like, not one of them is someone I'd be like, oh, great, they're playing. But we've got four or five pretty average centre-backs. And I think the biggest bit of transfer business we could do and most successful we could do is, similar to the Martinez thing, and I know that it was slightly contentious, my hugely inflated price thing. I think that... We wouldn't. We'd have struggled to get five million for him before he's running the team. So let's let's be realistic that 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 run of form. And he's a good goalkeeper. He's not as complete a goalkeeper as I know. And I think it's it's the right bit of business to do. But this is where we need someone to be able to sell the likes of Mustafi, sell the likes of Kalasinac, where actually it trimmed our squad down, the fat's trimmed off the squad, and we can get that feeling of togetherness. Arteta has clearly instilled in a much larger squad, but there's only so long you can keep those fringe players happy if they're not player and if they've got an ego, and that's the problem with Ozil. Well, I think not... the other problem with our squad players is that half of them are injured. Mari's out, Mustafi's out. <laughs> Um, Tierney's out so that you know um, not that he's a squad player but you, you, your back four is probably just going is going to have to stay the same pretty much uh, Chambers is out so you're going to have to play Kalasinac you're going to have to play Saliba will start I assume but who, who who's going to partner him Holding and another first teamer I, I, I can't see anyone else we don't have yeah I think I agree depth. with you yeah I think you'll play Louise probably in Saliba and yeah and maybe you know, maybe holding or something. I, I agree with that. But do, do you think, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, just one more thing about the Ozil situation. If, if So we kind of agreed that it's probably more likely that you won't pick him, or, you know, it's unlikely. But So that doesn't affect anything, does it, really, apart from the Ozil obsessive fan boys and girls who kind of will be banging on about that. So I mean, what I'm asking really is, do you want him to pick him? I don't, I, I'm quite happy not to pick him, basically, I think. Well, we don't have a big squad, boys, and... You know, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks, well, he's taking a lot of money out of the club. He's going to be there for this season, right? It seems like if he was going to leave the club, there'd be more smoke about it. I mean, there isn't any rumours whatsoever about him leaving the club. And everything that's come out from their camp is digging their heels in. We are here for the season. We want to play unmatched fit. So if he's going to be around the club this year... We are in Europe. We may only have one game in the Carabao Cup. We may have more. We're going to have some FA Cup games, you know, later in the season. With the, not lack of options, but, you know, with not a massive squad and, you know, European football as well. I think he's going to have to play. Oh, no, I think Gav's right in what he's saying. We've got plenty of young players who could, you know, we've we've got loads of players who could pick. Uh, Smith Rowe can come in. Yeah, he's Nelson. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly Smith Rowe's yeah. also, also injured at the minute. I, I no. think if he... He could play. Listen, I'm, I'll well, tell you he could play. Hang on. You didn't have to involve him in that friendly against Villa. And I know we're going back to it, but why even bother? 
why bother? He didn't have to do it then. He could have called, you well, know, who knows? Academy. Who knows why? So, and there could be all kinds of political reasons why. I agree that tomorrow is a uh, sorry. The game um, against Leicester is a huge statement of whether we're going to bother seeing him at all. Because uh, you, what you said is correct. If we don't see him this week when he's fit, when he's been training, when there are injuries around the squad, then yeah, you question when when on earth we would see him this season. But I would like to see him play. I would. But okay. I wonder he's, if because we know we know we're playing Liverpool next if we beat Leicester, which is also quite an interesting way to sort of assess how you how you play out the team, potentially. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good well, point. Yeah, that's great. My theory on the Ozil thing, by the way, and you, what I found hilarious is Arsenal's social channels with the kit launches, not all of them, admittedly, but a lot of wishing Mesut Ozil happy birthday, lots of pro... There is, he's still a marketable asset. And that's a weird thing about... The, we, are, we are a football club, we're also a business. And kits don't sell themselves. And you mentioned about the obsessive Ozil fanboys is there is still a huge swathe of Arsenal fans and there's still areas of the country, uh, of the the world, sorry, not the country, areas of the world where he is probably our most recognisable player. He is well-loved. I mean, you you go particularly Turkey and those sort of areas. So I think that we we would be green to think that one of the reasons for Ozil's occasional face popping up is anything other the marketing. I do not think it's anything to do with the playing squad. And I think that it might even have been under some duress. And that's maybe why it's the only game that wasn't filmed where he played. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, look, it's yeah. been playing, it's been playing, but actually nothing yeah. was really said about it. I just, again, you think it's that lot, cynical in the way? Well, I've spent a lot, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about it. It's one of those things with lot, with, with, with my other sporting mates and I want I genuinely try and shut down conversations. I don't think there's anything positive to try and sort of forensically examine it. Like it's sad that he is no longer at the heart of what we do. Interestingly, his skill set is what we are probably most missing. But I am bored by this, and I really, really want oh, us well, to, apologies. to move on. Apologies. Yeah, right. You could have, you, right. you could have, you could have tried right. to close it down about twenty minutes ago. But um, let me just say, I don't find it boring. I find it absolutely fascinating because there are so many. This is my explanation of why I've been spent the last 10, 15 minutes talking about it. I think it's fascinating because. As you say, there's so. I think there are so many levels to it. There are some people who think that the reason why um, we've kind of frozen him out is because of what he said about China, and the and, and you know um, and the Muslims and all of that, and that you know standing up for the Muslims in China, who are which is a disgraceful situation. That was a brilliant thing for him to do. There are some people. I've seen people claim that the the, the club freezing him out because of that. I've seen people say that um, your, you know, your theory that, that the rest of the players really don't like him anymore because he's become so self self obsessed and self absorbed. Um, it could be the the wages thing that he was the only one who didn't, you know, didn't go along with the wage. There's so many, and uh, so that's what that's my de- that's my justification. Well, explanation. I don't have to justify myself. It's my fucking podcast, <laughs> all right. But I, I find it fascinating the Ozil situation, I, and I hope that in at some point in the future. You know, in, in two or three years' time, when maybe he writes a book or someone writes a book, you know, maybe Arsene Wenger, Arsene Wenger's book's out soon. I want someone to ask him what the fuck is going on with him. He must know. It's I think it's really interesting. So anyway, but, but that's 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 my explanation of that. We're running out of time. And of course, we've got two games to predict, uh, Josh. Exciting times in the prediction yeah. situation. The uh, Very difficult the, to know what's going to happen in the Carabao Cup. So I'm going to come to everyone for their Carabao Cup prediction um, against Leicester and the big one, Monday Night Football against Liverpool. 
Uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that I can't conceive of us beating Liverpool again, considering we've beaten them the last two times we've played them. But I'm going to let Gareth go first with his predictions of what's going to happen in those games. So, so actually, interestingly, I think that's the one's harder to predict because we've just struggled to predict what the, <laughs> the makeup, makeup of our team will be. I think um, actually going away, obviously both of them are away games. I actually see us getting edged out in the week, but I'd hope it would be another opportunity to play some of those younger players, play the likes of Reese Nelson, get them some minutes that if they are called upon um, in our Premier League campaign and Europa League, et cetera, they're, they're able to be more at the right tempo. So I think we might lose 2-1 to Leicester. Um, and then Harbinger of Doom. Um, I think that I can't see us winning at Anfield. Um, I always hoped that that kind of, I'm convinced myself, won't do it, won't do it. That part of my brain's going, but maybe if you say we can't so many times, we might. But um, I think actually we will do very well to the other tails up, certainly having beaten Chelsea, their front three is clicking. I th- what I want to see from next week's game is another solid performance, a performance where actually the players play for each other. We are going to see possession a lot, so it's not going to be a fun watch. Um, who knows if we can get a game on the break, if we can expose some of their shortcomings, which they do have some, um, then then the chance we've got of winning is to score early and hang on for dear life or or score within the first half hour, let's say. I think we'll get edged again, but not by much. It's not going to be another one of those, like that awful game where Firmino got a hat trick. And I, I think we, we will give a good account of ourselves, but I think again, it might be a, a pair of two ones to the opposition. Sorry, guys. Well, I'm glad we've got some specific scores from you in the end, though. That's that's the main thing. Um, Ollie, <laughs> Ollie, what's your feeling? Yeah, I'm going to go doom and gloom as well, like Gareth. Um, I don't think I don't think we're going to win either game. I think the I think well, I think it's great opportunity for Leicester to. To, to win a trophy. Um, so I, I think they'll go all out for, for the win, um, personally, on that one. Um, so I think we'll, we'll I think we'll lose 2-0 um, on, uh, when is it, Wednesday, Tuesday? Who yeah. knows? Um, Wednesday. Not on TV um, either, outrageously. Um, I think there's so many games, isn't there? Um, yeah, 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 to be fair. And Liverpool, I get, I like Gareth, I just like a performance. I, I don't want the last three or four seasons of, of going to, to Liverpool where we just we just lose 3-1, 4-1. Um, I'd love to see us compete. Um, but we will still lose. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss. OK. Josh, any positivity from you? I mean, bearing in mind, I guess, that with Liverpool, like fucking... Um, Tiago, I mean, he was—he did look instantly great, didn't he? I mean, he had a brilliant game. And um, he was like the one missing... If there is a missing piece in the Liverpool jigsaw, he is it. He's also like the fucking player we need as well. How, how did they... Anyway, I mean, don't get me started. How did they go in for like 20 million or something? Outrageous situation. But, Josh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I don't think I can offer huge positivity, unsurprisingly. I, I think with Leicester, there's no... You know, we're, we're talking... Oli mentioned there about how it'll be a nice trophy for them to win a bit slightly patronizingly potentially. I mean, they're a better club than us right now in terms of sort of premier league performance. So I, I don't know. It'd be interesting also what sort of 
team they put out. I mean, they'll be bringing in a couple of, of players as well. I think we can take Leicester to penalties. I'm going to go Arsenal to win on penalties. We, we had a bit of good fortune with penalties in the Community Shield. At Anfield, I think we'll lose, but I think we'll put in a, a credible performance. I, c- I can see a couple of goals going our way, but we've let in huge amounts of goals over, over the last, what, six, seven years at Anfield. I'm going to go 4-2 to Liverpool. Boy, Dad. Ollie, would you like... Before we Ollie, go, would you like to respond to, to the gone, yeah the patronising yeah. comment? Yes, please. <laughs> you, you, have, have your have your response, <laughs> and then you can do your predictions, Boyd. Um, you are semi right. Probably they are in a better position <laughs> than us club wise. However, just like our neighbours down the road, there are some clubs that just need a trophy to to put all their performances and everything they've done in some sort of. Yeah, they won a Premier League like four years ago. It's not you can't compare them to Tottenham. Come on, <laughs> I'm comparing Brendan Rodgers' um, couple of seasons at, at Leicester, and I think that he would like to to have a little trophy to remember that by. And I think if you were to, well, I think the the under last season for for Leicester was a big disappointment, not getting that fourth spot, and uh, I can't see them challenging for the Champions League again this season. So I just think a trophy, FA Cup or a League Cup for Leicester wouldn't go amiss. Still quite patronising, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Um, I think, by the way, I was going to mention that I, my theory that I mentioned last week, that I think we stand a chance of coming forth because I still feel the Man U and Chelsea managers have not got the nous that our managers got. And I think the events of the weekend helped prove that. Gareth is nodding. Thumbs up from Gareth, just listener. listener. So I want to say that in passing. Um, as for my predictions... Um, I think I agree. I agree with uh, Josh that I think we might win on penalties against Leicester. Actually, I think that'll be. I think that'll be a close game. So I'm going to say two all, and we will win on penalties. And then I also think we'll lose to Liverpool. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three two. I think it could be a thriller. Thriller on Monday night football, and um, hopefully we'll be back here on Tuesday to talk about it. So uh, let me thank um, the the absolute legend. I'm going to use the word again. Gareth the Bear Parker. Um, uh, where, you, I'll, I'll, think about I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, take that. Um, thanks very much uh, for joining. Sorry about all the technical issues. This, If this podcast, everyone listening, sounds slightly more stilted than usual, even more stilted than usual, it's because it took us about 20 even minutes to get the... <laughs> even more awkward. It took us about 20 minutes to get the fucking thing working um, and recording at the start. So thank you to Gareth. Thank you to Ollie. Thank you. Thanks for having me and Gareth, um, and Boydo, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plug a second podcast here. I know you are the king of being on multiple podcasts, but it is the return of the Great British Bake Off uh, tomorrow oh, evening. Yes. And my my other podcast, The Bake Down, which reviews the Great British Bake Off that I do with a couple of former contestants, um, is is going live Wednesday morning. So if you love the Bake Off, I'm not sure what crossover there is, but if there's anyone out here. Then, well, uh, then let's do it. Just search the bake down. I'll tell you, Josh, I'll tell you, Matt Lucas, Josh, mid, Matt mid, middle class fans, middle class fans. Yeah. A, that, yeah. That's a big, big, big wedge in the middle of that Venn diagram. So don't you worry. There'll be lots of people rightly tuning in. And and Arsenal, very, very famous Arsenal supporter, staunch Arsenal supporter, Matt Lucas, yeah. the new host, who is excellent. I've seen the first episode and I can confirm that Matt does a brilliant job. Um, and uh, it's great. Thank you to Ollie. Thank you to Josh. Uh, thank you to Gareth the Bear and we'll be back next week thank you for listening bye wasn't that a great podcast 
Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.